0: Block
1: TALK RADIO You got to accentuate the positive eliminate the negative, latch on To the affirmative, don't mess with Mr. Between. You gotta spread joy Up to the maximum, bring gloom Down to the minimum, have faith a pandemonium liable to walk upon the scene.
0: Love, Hope, Radio.
1: You got to accentuate the positive feeling. Minate the negative, latch on to the affirmative. Don't mess with mister In-Between. You gotta spread joy up to the maximum, bring gloom, down to the minimum, have faith, a pandemonium liable to walk upon the scene.
2: Welcome to Blog Talk Radio, and thank you for tuning in to another edition of Positively Affirmative. This is the show where we affirm you. our our listening audience, with education, information, and resources in the areas of self-care, career development, business building, and wealth consciousness, challenges, and solutions. I am your host, Katrina Jones, Prosperity Life Coach of Satari Life Skills Institute. And in case you cannot listen to the entire show or the entire broadcast, you can visit my website at ProsperityLifeCoach.com for more coaching resources. Today, our show topic is, and give me one minute because I'm, t- I'm toggling. Today, our show topic is how to prepare your small business for tax season. And I'm so very pleased and honored to have with us today Mrs. Renee A. Woods Baylor. Baylor. I'm going to read her her bio. She is the CEO of OSG Advisors, LLC, entrepreneur, innovator, business leader. Mrs. Baylor is more than an entrepreneur. She is the rainmaker entrepreneur. She has surpassed most of her childhood dreams, with her ability to become the extension of her community and the success of her clients she assists every day. Over the past few years, her business grew, as did her name recognition in the northeastern Ohio region. In her first three years in business, she retained over 2,000 individuals and businesses an unheard-of number for an accounting firm with only one salesperson, Mrs. Baylor. Renee volunteers her time and services to many organizations. She doesn't just join. She becomes an active member, and over time, her reputation of being knowledgeable and offering fair quality service helped to grow her business. Mrs. Baylor is a third generation entrepreneur business owner in her family and the second female following after her mother, Mrs. Gertrude Robinson. She has 15 years as a successful business owner with four offices located throughout the great state of Ohio, a multi-million dollar business developer and advisor including 25 years in the accounting, taxation, auditing, and business advisory field. A national certified NX-level business plan instructor, Mrs. Baylor is an award-winning professional, receiving more than 28 awards throughout the state of Ohio since 2002. Mrs. Baylor's clientele is a who's who of Ohio and surrounding states. She was recently graduated from the prestigious, the President's Council Class of 2012 Emerging emerging Entrepreneurs in the city of Cleveland, Ohio. Renee is the founder of the firm Getting Started Incorporated in 1999 an accounting firm concentrating on new business startups. And she says that she wanted to develop a firm that would catch the attention of people just starting out as entrepreneurs. The business concept enables new entrepreneurs to engage a professional insight at their level. Her personal passion is sitting on various boards, throughout the state of Ohio as a business advisor and other board positions for area nonprofit organizations. Mrs. Renee Woods-Baylor, thank you so much for being on our show today.
3: Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) You are
2: welcome. (laughs) You are welcome. I am so excited to have you here today, you know, just listening to the wealth of experience that you have. I have my pencil and paper out, and I hope that our guest does also, because I just know that we're going to be filled with great information to help us to prepare um, for not only this season, but for every, you know, throughout the year, just prepare for the tax season. <laughs> so thank you, thank you, thank you.
3: Thank and, you for having and, and me. All, <laughs>
2: you you're welcome. Mm-hmm. And although I've read that um bio, I want to ask you to tell us what what inspired your passion for financial advising, uh planning and helping others.
3: Well, I I learned this at a very young age from my mother, you know. She uh was an accountant for the state of Ohio and um it was just very intriguing learning at such a young age, you know, 12, 13 13 years of age, you know, that's a very impressionable age. And with her, I was always able to just ask my mother questions of all kinds, not just for business, but also personal, like how to prepare and cook something, uh, how to wash clothes, just different general things. But she always, my mom always took the time to answer my questions and not just answer them, but I'm just so grateful that my mom would stop and show me. I I think that's so important um, that she paid attention to me to take the time to show me and not just tell me and give me an answer. So so my passion really grew up out of that. You know, her taking the time, if I did have those questions, that she would just stop and show me. I I learned how to sew from my mom, uh, and that helped me get through college. I I took everything that she taught me and used it in a way to help me financially, to help me take care of my family, to
2: to be a part of
3: the community, to help in my church. Everything that my mom taught me, I implemented because I've seen – how well it did for her so she was really Mm -hmm. you know in my my visionary uh motivation
2: nice and i hear a few things i I hear you saying that she was your first role model that she sounds like she was yeah i
3: believe Mm -hmm. that your parents are your first role model i mean you know Mm -hmm. that's the first biggest impression you have on your life is someone you're around every day.
2: Yes. Yes. And it sounds like she was very practical. And uh, and then I hear you saying that you took the, the, the knowledge and the information that she gave you and you applied it to your life. So that's oh, absolutely. beautiful.
3: Um, thank you. And, I mean, my mom started working with me or using me and showing me with the church accounting. So I actually learned how to do bookkeeping and record keeping. And this was back in, you know, (laughs) in the early 70s when there were no no computers accessible to the general public. And I had to learn by, you know, paper and pencil, you know, and doing bookkeeping, reconciling bank accounts when I was, you know, 13, 14 years old, helping her just put check, checks in order by number, um, you know, just helping her with the basis stuff, helping her put receipts in order and, and things of that nature, and working with her with the different churches that we were part of.
2: What a great foundation. Hmm. Wow.
0: Thank
2: you. <laughs> hmm So let me ask you, what is, your, what is your background and qualifications? And I hear you saying that your mom – you know, had a background or has a background in in accounting, and she was your first teacher, your first mentor. Um, But, you know, what other um, background and qualifications do you have?
3: From there on, from my mom and and working with her, and then in high school, um, I attended Booker High School in Akron, Ohio, and my classes there, I I actually – stayed in high school and was promoted twice, so I only spent a year and a half in high school. And out of that time, I spent at the University of Akron, and I was majoring in um, pre-law and accounting. So I took both at the same time, and I also took accounting and bookkeeping at Fulton High School and then also at, at the University of Akron. I attended University of Akron in accounting and graduated from Auburn University um, in construction management and accounting.
2: Wow. Okay.
3: So that's, that's my you- formal education. I think that mm-hmm. uh, the majority of my education and knowledge came from, you know, growing up in my mom and my dad's businesses mm-hmm. and just, you know, getting that dinner table education. <laughs>
2: that,
3: I think that's great okay. support.
2: Okay. And I know that um, in your bio, I was curious about something. In your bio it states that you are a national certified NX level business plan instructor. What is that
3: certification? Well, I'm glad that you asked. It's next level. It's NX. Level It's the next level. It is a national organization that helps with um, – it's, it's really a volunteer or a class-based um, education or helping to develop people that want to start a business, but they don't know what to do. They want to get training on how to develop a business plan. Now, my target market is normally um, kids from the age of 10 years old and older I have workshops that I like to do for that and for adults. So I target both markets, and it's basically step-by-step on how to develop a business plan.
2: Okay, wow. And I know that skill is so needed. not not only, in our, not only in, in our communities, but just in a general way, because a lot of business when you, a lot of people when we start our businesses, we, we learn from trial and error. <laughs> and so if we can find companies, organizations and individuals who have those skills and that knowledge set, it, it just takes the guesswork out of. Um, knowing what steps to take and and best practices, what works and what doesn't.
3: Well, I think it's important to learn those things at a young age. I know that Mm. for me as a young lady, by me learning those things at a very young age, I was able to capture a lot of what I wanted to do in life very early. And I was able to navigate myself a lot better knowing what I wanted because of the things I learned when I was younger, you know. And I, I think yeah. that's important. That's why I said I started teaching about business plans at the age of 10 because, I mean, they're smart enough. You don't have to be a rocket scientist. You just have to be in a position to want to learn. Yeah. That's the only requirement, <laughs> you know. That's my wow. only requirement: is the, is the is someone that has a passion or a desire to want to learn something, and, and want to have a direction in their life that they can carve out themselves and have a better understanding on how to do that, when to do that.
2: Okay, all right.
3: Okay. Now tell us. Tell us. I, I
2: met you a few years ago, and you were actually. Uh, one of the facilitators for uh, the black uh, business uh, MBA organization in the Cleveland area, it may have been Cleveland, Akron area, but they uh, put on a series of workshops for startup organizations, startup businesses to to help us to, to learn the various steps that we needed to know uh, to get our businesses off the ground and, and, and to have a solid foundation. You were one of the speakers and, and when you were speaking about finances, I remember, you told a story. You told us a story about when you started your own company and, and how you, you kept it to, you know, you, you kept it to yourself until you were established. That was such a powerful story and I'd like you to share that with us and, and let us know what the significance of that was you know for you
3: you know that's that I that is one of my favorite stories to tell as a matter of fact and because so many times as entrepreneurs or person I want to start a business, we are so quick to want to tell everybody about what we want to do because, we, you know, you think you have a great idea, you know it's going to work, you kind of planned it out in your mind, it hasn't yet reached the paper level, but you're so excited about it that you kind of get ahead of yourself and you want to share it with everybody, and sometimes everybody can't handle your good news. You know, everybody mm-hmm. cannot see the success that you see in yourself. And there are certain things that, you know, if a person has a big influence on your life or a, a, a huge deep connection with you that would, if you truly, truly believe that this is happening uh, for you and that you feel that you're going to be successful, that sometimes it's not time for it to be shared with everybody. You need to pace that out and handle that in a way that that person may or may not receive it. Um, For that one person, that was my mom. Again, I came from a family of entrepreneurs, of business owners, so they know what the good and bad and ugly is all about. They know how hard it is. I haven't yet to step in that position. But knowing that that was a big stronghold for me, and that that was a very influential person in my life that I knew I had to come with more than just a great idea or a great passion. Oh, this is what I love and I want to do. But I needed to have some concrete evidence to show that this can be successful, knowing that it's out of the course of our family tradition in having a business. Uh, My parents own shoe store chains, not an accounting firm. How is how am I going to show that this is going to be successful besides my excitement? Uh, besides my ability to be able to do the work. Um, so, you know, I had a family, I was single, I had children. And um I, I'm I'm sure that my parents probably thought, Oh gosh, you're gonna put yourself out on a limb, how are you gonna make it? How are you gonna feed the kids and this and that? So, what I did is that I sheltered that until I was able to position myself to show them that I can do this because that's one person I couldn't hear to tell me it wouldn't work or that may be very hard for you to do. You have the kids to think about. You have to feed them. You have to house them and all of that. And so, you know, before I approached that one, I may have told a couple other people, but before I approached my mom with this, I had to be successful before I showed her. So one of the things that I did is I asked my, you know, uh, uh, job that I was at to keep my voicemail on just so that my mom would still think I'm working for someone else and that the security, that security blanket would still be in place. Well, in, in the whole process, I was already in business. I waited for an entire year. (laughs) <laughs> to show the success of the business, to show the capability of my performance, my uh, level of influence in the community, and my integrity, and and to off, show my mom that I was able to secure a foundation without a lot of help from her, and not that I didn't need it because I did, and and I would say certain things about it about me working. For someone, not so much working for myself, just to get the information or the support that I needed or the direction that I needed. So throughout that year, I still had questions. I still had concerns. I still had ups and downs. But I, I purposed my questions to her in a way that I was still employed by someone else, just facing some difficult situations. And so she was still able to help me in those situations. So, you know, it. It's important that you analyze your relationships with the people that surround you that you entrust your life with or entrust your decisions with that, you know, you look at each individual separately and not look at everybody as a group and say, hey, I'm going to start this business. I'm going to be excited. I'm going to go out here. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to do this and do this and do that. Well, I, I didn't exactly just jump out there. I, I saved for this. I planned three years for this prior to doing it. I worked on my business plan. You know, I had it all mapped out. And when it was time for me to venture out, I I did do that. But I made sure that I had a lot of things in place before I stepped out there.
2: In a short story, very <laughs> yeah. You know what? Very. That is that is very powerful because you know you you give us a lot of nuggets in that story and you know one of the first things that you know as you told that story something that really resonated with me was you know was that everybody is not ready to hear your story and sometimes we we have all this life and this passion and we don't want somebody to spread death on it you know or uh you know or yeah. we don't want you know we you know, and, and you know, sometimes everybody doesn't want to see us succeed, which, you know, not to say that that was your situation, but we just have to be very mindful, of, you know, when we are creating a plan. You know, that's just like when we have money in our bank account, we don't go around telling everybody, hey, here's my bank account, here's, here's the money I have in it. And, and it's the same as when we are growing our business and, and, and nurturing our business.
3: Yeah, and that's true because people don't want to see you succeed. Sometimes they don't want to see you fail. Um, Ah. You know, sometimes your your, your background and your relationship with them has not always been intact or in place where you've held some good integrity with them. Maybe you haven't paid them that $100 that you owed them for Mm -hmm. last year. Now you're going to say, oh, we're going to start a business, but you owe them $100. Pay your debt to your family your support system, the people that you're going to need to give, be a cheerleader for you because that's your first line of integrity and trust and respect. Uh, you know, sometimes just people don't, it's, sometimes it's just the opposite. They don't want to see you fail. And so they'll try to discourage you from even going to that point, you know, because of your your personal track record. So clean it up first. Do some work.
2: Thank you for that.
0: <laughs>
2: uh, now, that that's a good lead-in into my next question. When is the best time to start a business, and, and why?
3: The best time to start a business is when you're prepared. You need mm-hmm. to prepare for this. And being prepared is not always just your finances. It's not always just your education. But it's all the different facets to really analyze and look at what you have before you. you got to look at, it's not a cookie-cutter situation. It never is. Mm-hmm. Just because a good friend of yours, a college buddy started their business, you know, oh, it's time for me to branch out. Mm-hmm. It may not be. You may not be financially in the position to do it. Your family may not be ready for that. You may have just gotten married. It, 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 this may be something new that maybe your husband or your spouse or your wife or your mate has no idea that you wanted to do. So I think it's important that uh, the best time to start is when you've done your homework. And I'm not talking about surface homework but real homework. Analyze your relationship with your cheerleaders. That's your family. See if they're ready. You know, because that's important, especially if you're married or if you're a single parent and you have children. Are they ready to make sacrifices for your dream? Because it's your dream, it's not theirs. So you Mm. have to see that, okay, and then how do you develop them to get them there? Because you're going to need them. Um, Nobody can go out there and do all this and be in business and be successful all by yourself. It it takes that community so you know you have to look at that for yourself and see you know am I ready that's a question you have to constantly ask yourself and then start developing that business plan and it will tell you when you get finished with it it's going to tell you it's time to start now it's time to start in six months or I'm not ready or you know what I can't do this at all I need to keep my job or go in a different direction. Mm -hmm. You know, your business plan should tell you what you can and cannot do or what you may be capable of doing right now or later. So that's a big part of it. But then also just making sure that, you know, part of that, if you're not the greatest in talking to people and you want to start some type of retail business, but you don't have, You're not the type of person that likes to make friends, and you're introverted. How are you going to succeed in a retail business when 100% of it is with people, believing in you enough to want to buy something or buy a product or come to your store or what have you? So you have to look at the whole makeup. And if there's things that you need to change about yourself or uh, to make it right or to make it fit, then those are things you work on. Um, Sometimes we're not given that type of time, sometimes a retirement may come up or a layoff may come up and it's like, oh, I just want to go ahead and start my business because I'm sitting here and nothing's happening. Even in that short period of time, take the time to analyze yourself and, and make sure that you're not setting yourself up for failure or mm-hmm. setting yourself up to disappoint yourself.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I like that because what I'm hearing um, is the importance of having a plan, a business plan, a solid business plan in writing. I'm hearing, and this is something that I don't hear people talk about much, so I, I appreciate you talking about it, making sure that your community or your support is in place and that they're on board. With your with That's your goals right. and with with your plan that, that that is huge, you know that is huge um
3: yeah so
2: sometimes
3: I, you're gonna mm-hmm. need those shoulders to cry on, you know, and mm. if they understand travel, if they understand your journey, you know and the sacrifices that you made, that shoulder will be the softest shoulder you can lay your hand on because they'll be a great support to you. They'll encourage you. Remember when they'll remind you of the things you shared with them when you were excited. They'll remind you of the things that you had wrote down in your business plan, what you were going to do, what your break-even was going to be, what your your, – challenges were going to be, but how you were going to overcome them because you have built up that relationship with them that they – under those are things they won't forget. You will because you're working in your business, okay? Mm -hmm. So it's important that you keep that bond, that relationship with those close – not 20 people (laughs) – you, you know, you don't need but one or two people to cry. How many heads you gonna, your shoulders you're going to use for one head to cry on? Right. You know, so you you don't need to share it with everybody. But, you know, those two or three confidants, and, and, and one of them should be a business owner so, so that they can not only be the shoulder that you can cry on but also be a tower that you can lean on that will give you advice on what to do next and how to overcome those yeah. challenges. I
2: like that. I like that. Thank you. So, um, how do you distinguish between um, a hobby, a business, and then and a nonprofit? Okay,
3: that's a very good question, and a, a lot of people want to look at a business, and sometimes it turns out to be a hobby. A hobby is something that you have a passion for and that you just enjoy doing. It's a lot of fun, and you don't really care about making money. You just like doing it, and it's just a point of relaxation for you. You really don't – it's not so much as making money from it. Uh, You can make some, but it's not, you know, I don't want to be a million-dollar producer. I don't want to hit my goal of producing $20,000 a month or $30,000 a month, but more or less this is something I like to do. It's fun. I like to give it away. If, if people like it and they can't afford to get it, then I'll give it away to them. They can have it, and that becomes your hobby. You know, it's just a fun thing to do. Okay. A nonprofit is something that you care about. You're passionate about it, again, but then you also care about making an impact and changing someone's lives or their lifestyle or educating them in some kind of way or supporting them through different situations. But it's a way for you to give back. You want to give to help people. It's not about money. It's not about trying to make a profit for yourself. But it's more of you wanting to help other people. In a business, you can incorporate all of that. But at the end of the day, you want to make money. You do want to change people's lives. You do have a passion for what you do. But at the end of the day, you want to be profitable. There are some things that you may give to other people and give back to the community, but you still want to make it so that, hey, is our logo going to be on the Uh, T-shirt? Are you going to use us as a sponsor? Uh, you you're going to be very strategic on how you uh utilize your name in the community to make the impact because at the end of the day you want a client or a customer and you do want to make a profit. You want to be in business to make money.
2: Okay. It, now <laughs> a lot of a lot of startup businesses um well, you know, some startup businesses are very successful in their beginning stages, but for a lot of startup businesses, it takes a while before they can begin to to see a profit. So, as far as the IRS concern, is concerned, what is their definition? Um, it, you know, is their definition that you just gave between a, a, a hobby, a business, and a nonprofit? Is their definition the same as the one that you gave us, or is it a little different?
3: Absolutely not. Uh, the IRS are strictly in business to collect taxes. So if they can't collect taxes off the of income generated by your so-called business or business, then it becomes a hobby after five years. If you're showing that you're not making any money, um, and, and I would caution that because... You need to look at why are you even filing a tax return showing income for a hobby in the first place. Um, yeah, it, it, It's important that you really look at it, especially when it comes to your taxes, because you don't want to get yourself in, the, in, the, in a huge bind with the Internal Revenue Service. Now we're talking about the federal government. So that's nothing to play around with. Um, they normally look at that. After five, five years of you just always showing a loss and not really producing any revenue or producing growth and profit, um, they begin to look at you, and it may happen sooner. It's really up to their discretion, but normally it's five years. Okay.
2: Okay, okay. Now, um, which one define OK, so when you talk about a hobby, a business and a nonprofit, which one defines what your true aspirations are um, in starting out in your own venture?
3: Okay. Well, as far as a, a, a nonprofit organization, let's go there first. Um, a nonprofit organization is governed by a board. You must have a board. You cannot self-profit from that, and you don't necessarily – you don't own it. You have you have a governing board of a minimum of three individuals, and um, that is really the makeup of a nonprofit. You're not in it to self-profit as though, like, okay, I can – from the profit of the nonprofit. I can go and buy me a car. I can go and do this. You do that. No, it must be self rein. That money must stay within the nonprofit or- organization, and it must be utilized for the purpose that you, in- you intended it to fulfill. So if your purpose is to help um, small children or young children to learn how to read, then that money must be used for that purpose. or or whatever purpose is established by the board and the bylaws of the organizations. Um, And and that's an important piece of that. Um, When you are a business owner, you're looking to make a profit, be profitable to reinvest back into your business so you can keep it growing and um, be able to establish yourself Um, so that your business becomes a very profitable entity. Um, When you have a hobby, that's just strictly something that you want to do personally um, and and just to do that for fun, enjoyment, and relaxation, to be a part of craft shows where you can just go out and sell a few things. But when it becomes more and more profitable for you, then you definitely want to Transition yourself to be more of a business. Does, okay. Does that okay. answer help you? Did I answer your question?
2: Yeah, it, yeah, it, it it does, it does. Okay. So when we when we talk about um, startup businesses and and uh, and small business owners, because I do have a lot of um, uh, small business owners and, and startups who who listen to the show. Um. How soon should business owners begin preparing for tax season?
3: Well, it, business owners should be meeting with their bookkeeper or their accountant or their tax advisor at least a minimum of four to five times a year. And this, that is important so they know and get really good advice on where they're going, what they're doing in their business is going to affect the outcome at the end of the year. So I, you would start to, for me, I advise my clients um, to start at the beginning of the year. You, you need to start planning for that next year or that current year. What are your goals when you sit down with me um, for the year two thousand. 14, what are we looking at? What type of growth are we looking at? What are your plans? What are your goals? So that way you'll work out some type of tax plan to help uh, you minimize your tax liability on what you're going to do. How heavy is that going to be as a result of my decisions and my goals? Um, it, that, that's very important. Um, even now, I usually sit down, I try to Uh, meet with some of my clients sometime in June, July, that's a good time because then I can assess what have you done in the first six months of the year and and, uh, what's the goal for the rest of the year. What do we need to do because now we need to be getting prepared for this year and seeing what we need to do to take advantage of some uh, tax advantages that's coming down the pipeline or that's already established. So I think that's important that you, you know, sit down and and share your goals about your business, what you want to do. And not only that, depending on how you're set up, whether you're an S-Corp or an LLC or a partnership, how that's going to flow through to your personal um, tax return because a lot of that is a flow through to your personal. And we need to know if you're married, how much revenue is the or income does the spouse earn, so we can see where your tax bracket is, and we can better advise you on what you need to do as a business owner um, to minimize your tax liability. But all of that comes out in planning. There, there's no simple answer to that. If you, You've got to sit down with your tax advisor, your accountant, your CPA, so that way – you know it, it's very holistic because whatever you do as a business owner, if you're an S-Corp or LLC or partnership, it's going to flow through to your personal. How is that going to impact? The business may not pay any taxes, but you may be tax-heavy on you as a personal uh, tax uh, uh, tax uh, individual. So you, need, you definitely need to look at that. And bring the whole thing, uh, whether or not you and your wife or you and your husband file separately or do you file jointly, that makes a big, big impact on your taxes. So that's important. If you're going through a divorce or you're separated, you know, there's a lot of personal things that you do in your personal life that affects you on your tax side. And a lot of people don't sit down with their tax advisor and then things fall out at the end of the year. Well, after 1231, there's nothing of anything that I can do after that. You know, we're starting all over then. <laughs> and you don't want to get down to December trying to figure out what you need to do for the entire year 2013. Uh, if you haven't, and you're a business owner now, and you haven't seen your tax advisor, and it is now the end of October going into the 1st of November. You need to get in there as quickly as possible. Again, in December, and you look at November and December, we have very few working weeks left in the year. All these holidays are coming up, you know, and you haven't sat down with them. You need to come up with a plan. What are your goals for 2014, but also what have you done in 2013 that may impact your tax return. It's
0: very important.
3: Wow. I'm not trying to say, you know,
0: I... No, uh, but I'm I'm (laughs) still stuck at... That's a realistic view.
2: (laughs) And I remember, you know, I remember when you did the workshop, you said, I remember you saying that you need, you know, if you are a business owner, you should be meeting with your, you should be having some kind of contact with your advisor at least four times a year. I remember you saying that.
3: That's right. That's a wow. quarter. And it, yeah. it helps them help you because the more I know about what you're doing and how you're doing, I'll know how to better advise you on what to do. Hey, let's not put all let's not put that there. Let's set, let's set up a step, um, you know, self-employed you know,
2: investment
3: opportunities for your health savings account or a 401, something so that way we could help you um, better utilize your dollars for your business and better invest that into your company so that you'll stay on course. You know, okay. I can advise you in the last 20 days of the year on what you need to do. I don't know enough about what you're doing to really, really make an impact in your business.
2: That makes sense. And, and I hear you saying it's a relationship that you develop.
3: Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. This, is, this is a part of – so your accountant becomes a part of your team.
3: Well, that's mm. like your kids are going to school, but you never go to PTA. You never go to mm. listen when the teacher has you to come in and check on their grades. You Okay, in a minute, okay – You don't care, I don't care. (laughs) You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. And my
3: biggest thing is that you allow the ATM to become your banker. There's absolutely no way, no way any business owner should be in business and your best contact to the bank is your ATM. You should never use an ATM machine. Never. Your banker should know who your kids' names are. They should know what they look like. If I walk in the bank or my husband walked in the bank, they know us, and not just one person, but everybody there. Because I don't do – when I need a loan or if there's a situation that arrives or comes up, I can't ask the ATM for that. <laughs> I can't yes, talk to yeah. at the ATM. I can only meet and talk with my banker. And when I have an emergency, I'm going to be able to call – Hey Karen, I need your help right now. I need you to help me. Mm-hmm. Oh, no problem, Renee. I'll take care of it. You know. Uh, and that's important too. Not just
2: And here
3: And here again you're talking about sure. developing
2: relationships. Yeah, developing relationships. Hmm. Oh, okay. That's true. Wow. Now, you know, what type of systems can business owners put in place and especially startup business owners, um, to, to prevent becoming overwhelmed?
3: Simplicity. I would suggest that even for your receipts, I mean, most of us have smartphones now, and they can do almost everything. And um, being able to even take a photo of your receipts as you accumulate them and use certain um, apps that will help you manage those, um, like Lemon Wallet is one of the ones I use, and there's so many others that's out there that even if you took envelopes and put down on one envelope the month of October 2013 and everything you did, you just put in that envelope, um, that's better than just putting all all of the receipts in a shoebox. I understand a shoebox is great. But then now you need to know, did I make some money in October? Did I make money in June? Well, it's better if you can have that even separated by envelope. Um, a shoebox is fine if you don't have the time to, to really manage it, but just keep your receipts. Um, my thing that I advise my clients on when it comes to receipts is that they do evaporate. They do get spills and everything's gone, and that's something that the IRS will say, you know what, I'm sorry, that $280 goes back as income because you don't have any food. My thing is, is that if you take a picture of it, it's there, it's not going nowhere. It will not evaporate, you know, and then you back it up to a system. But it's important that you keep your receipts, And maintain as much as possible, use some type of resource ever, destroy a check, even if you don't need it, you keep it. Even if you wrote the wrong name on it, just put an X through it, but keep and retain that check uh, to show that it wasn't used. Uh, And and that's Hmm. proof enough. Uh, It's just important as much as possible, if you're not the type of person Hey, I can't I don't have time to keep up receipts, sheets. I'm not you no know, bookkeeper, I don't like math, I don't like I don't like that. Then get checks that have the duplicate. So that way when you write your check you can do that. Or just use your debit card that's separate from your personal for everything.
0: Uh-huh.
3: Open up a business account, even if it's BBA, even if it's just you just starting out, just do it separately so that way you can monitor it yourself a lot better. And you know what you're doing okay. in your business, but you hmm. know that's that's my advice. When you're small and you don't have a lot of resources, you don't have a lot of money to pay an accountant. But take that hundred dollars or that sixty-five bucks or whatever, put it aside, and at least pay for a consultation, at least twice a year, to talk to a professional. Okay. Invest in your business so you can grow. The okay. longer you don't reinvest, the longer you'll stay itty-bitty, small, grandpa, mom, you know, by yourself and and you just be a Lone Ranger or you'll be out of business. Okay. Okay.
2: Now that's a good lead-in to my next question. What is the best way for business owners to, to find competent, reliable, affordable, Contractors such as you know tax advisors, financial planners, attorneys, you know because we we can't do everything ourselves, and, and we do need to have a team of others to to help us.
3: That's a very good question, Katrina. Um, I you know my thing is that the chambers are have a wealth of, of knowledgeable individuals. They're right there for you. And that's your opportunity to meet people, to build a relationship with them. Uh, Cozy is one of them. That's one of the largest in Northeast Ohio um, that you can actually sit down and do a breakfast with, a lunch with, and just have an opportunity to meet different people. But becoming a part of a chamber gives you that opportunity. Most of your professionals are going to be members there. Uh, almost every bank is a member. Most Uh, uh, professional individuals as far as attorneys and um, CPAs, accountants, tax professionals, um, small business owners, those type of professionals just starting out themselves. They want to be connected to other small businesses. So that's your area where I would start is at a chamber. That's, that's That's where I went when I started my company. I, you know, because how, how else are you going to find that type of professional and have that opportunity to touch and talk with them? To me, is yeah. is a great resource for you to start that. And then different associations and memberships to different uh, networking groups. Those are good to build a relationship, find out what other professionals are doing and who they are and what type of services they provide. Those are the two major ones that I feel that is not a waste of time and can make a big impact for you and your business.
2: And and I appreciate, I really appreciate that advice because um, I have recently relocated to South Florida. And I, you know, had to immerse myself into the community. And one of the things that I did was invested in Joining the Chamber of Commerce, but not only have i joined i'm be, i 'm becoming an active member because that 's the only way that i'm going to begin to meet people develop relationships with people is to is to get involved
3: that's right uh, so that that, that you know, is that's a great important. piece of advice <laughs> uh, if you you know like you said in my bio um I become a part of it. Um, they yes. always need volunteers well that volunteer portion is for you, so you can be you have an opportunity for people to get to know who you are and what you do and what you have to offer um, just sometimes just being opening up the door for everybody to come through you know i 'll do registration um it didn 't matter. I yes. want to be at the front gate of where people. Can be engaged. So if you need me to do registration, I love registration booths because where are you going to get name, phone number and address from that booth? Yes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes. That's your first point of contact. And I love volunteer golf outings. If I see certain events and they need, I'm first asked, Hey, you need me to either sell tickets or do you need me to do registration? I love registration. Um, you have to position yourself to be a friend, to be a mentor or to assist and volunteer in certain organizations, in church, whatever, so that way you can meet more and more people. It's all about meeting people, meeting people, meeting people, and building relationships. Yes.
2: I, I like that. And one thing that I'd like to add to that is, you know, it, it takes sometimes it takes time to develop. Relationships with people. It's not like I can come in today and and you know next month I'm you know going to have no x amount of people and I'm going to you know it takes time to develop trust. Oh,
3: absolutely. And so that's, absolutely,
2: yeah, and, it, and and that's why getting involved and and you know uh, becoming members of of committees and and volunteering. Um, on an ongoing basis is, is so very important. So I, I'm is, glad that you and, and they do about a lot that. of good
3: things to help you to build that type of trust and relationship with others. It's just they they lay out the floor plan for you and it's up to you to engage it, you know, and they they have a lot of programs. It's not just specific to someone that plays golf, but also somebody that likes to go to the arts or like to do different things, um, to wine tastings and just all kind of different things, some some webinars and seminars and workshops and all those types of things. It's just good. And the more you put yourself out there and people can rely on you, seeing you there, having a conversation with you, getting to know you and your spouse or your family, it It just builds that bond, and that's what you want and yes. it's not gonna it's not a cookie cutter it's not a microwave set yes. it's going to happen over time, but it takes you to be consistent with it you. you got to invest in it
2: i I like that and i and I appreciate that um that that advice also I'd like to say a lot of my listening my listening audience comes from all over and so Although you talk about Cozy, um, which is a, a Cleveland-based or an Ohio-based organization, and I'm not sure if they're national. Uh, not really sure, but chambers of commerce are in every city in the United States.
3: That's right. And even That's
2: if right. and if people and if people are listening in, in other countries, you know, there, it may not be called chamber of commerce. But in every community there is some type of entity set up to work with small businesses and to help small businesses grow.
3: Mhm. That's correct. It is. And so get, as soon as you get there you just have to start establishing yourself so that way you can find out what type of program or agency there is to assist with small businesses. The Internet is one place, you know, you just look it up on Bing or Google it, and that information is readily available at your fingertips as to who they are, what they what they do for the business community, and what their goals are in establishing and helping you grow your business.
2: Yes, yes. Okay, um... Yeah, that was really great. Now, work from work from home businesses, what should they know about business management and taxes, just, just in a general way?
3: For a home-based business?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yes.
3: Okay. It, it's important that if you do have a home-based business, especially if you want to use that for tax purposes, is that, you utilize a room that is only specifically used for your business. So it can't be a shared space uh, like working or having part of your kitchen be your office. Well, that you cannot use that because part of that room or the majority purpose of that room is for you to eat and prepare meals out of. Um, if it doesn't mimic you going to an actual office or a place of of work or business, then you cannot use that. So you have to be very mindful, uh, especially if you have an office in the basement. It needs to be a separate room from the washroom, and it needs to be visibly different in uh, separated areas such as that. Um, and, and also operating from a home-based business, it's important that you try to keep yourself motivated, um and getting out and having meetings and appointments at a certain location. If you can, try to have it be the same location and have some consistency there so that you can build relationships with the people that work there, and they get to know you and your routine and try to have you be in an area where it's more secluded, you know, and try to help you because, you know, people begin to like you they begin to trust you, and maybe some of them will become clients, but it's just important to have some consistency, get out of your PJs, get down to business, and make it happen.
2: Hmm, I like that. I like that. Okay. And um, for now for um, small business owners who who manage establishments, Uh, What are some things they should know about managing their business and taxes in a general way?
3: Um, The the ones that have established businesses that's out there, it's important, first of all, to always plan to do a strategic business plan. And what I mean by that is what are you going to do to help improve your business? What does it need? whether it's your staff, whether it's you, uh, you, you need to look at that and plan out the next following year. Right now is a really good time, the last quarter of the year, to really start planning and establishing those goals for 2014. What was good about 2013? What wasn't good about 2013? And what can you do to improve it? And what type of technology, resources, vendors are you going to need to help you make it better and and more engaging to the general public? Uh, I think that's important to sit down and actually go through a plan of that nature. And then for tax purposes, hopefully they have sat down with their tax advisor and went over some of their goals by now since October and going into November. But if you haven't, I would really stress to you to set up an appointment with your advisor as soon as possible uh, just so that they can take a look at what you've done for uh, the last 10 months of the year uh, to see if there's any changes that we need to do before 1231. That is your deadline, so you definitely need to be aware of that um, and stand on top of those tax obligations uh, that you may encounter, depending on the type of establishment you are. Um, I think it's also important that you look at your business relationships and your community relationships, what has been helpful for you and what hasn't been, and to reestablish those things. Um, hopefully you're on some type of board. If not, those are things that you people want to see you involve in the community. Do you care? Are you showing that you care? I think that's a big, big thing for uh, established or home-based businesses to do is to show the community that you're servicing that you do care about what's going on in the community by giving back either by your time for other financial resources.
0: Okay,
2: I like that.
3: I like that. And for
2: small, for small nonprofit organizations, uh, what should they know about managing their organization, uh, organization and and taxes?
3: Well, a lot of that's going to be based on their budget, you know, and, and staying on tax and reviewing that budget and hopefully. They're looking at that budget as often as possible with their board um doing a questionnaire now that we're at the end of the year practically uh doing a questionnaire about to the board to find out how they see the organization as it is now, and what can they do to make it better? What type of improvements can we have, what type of um grants do we need to seek out um and what are the successful stories for the the year 2013, and what were some of the failures, if any, um, or things that just didn't happen quite the way they wanted it to. Um, This is a good time to assess where you are and where you're going to go, um, to look at the type of grants you solicited, which ones did you win which ones did you lose, and if you did, Go back and find out why you didn't receive it Um, so that that way you can look at how do you need to approach it next year. Um, Just because you didn't get it, it may have been some reasons why you haven't, and it's good to just know why because maybe that's another area of improvement. But really looking at, because you're servicing the community, it's important that you look at how you can better serve the community, and then look at what was that impactful. Did you make a difference in the community like you planned out to do? And if not, Mm -hmm. why not? Um, Were you effective in in your mission and your goals? Uh, A a nonprofit is uh, a a huge plan because you're – you're there intimately involved in the community. Uh, you, your, your goal and mission is to make changes that are to for the betterment of others. So it's important that you assess that and see how well that your, your impact is making in the community, and if not, how are you going to make it better? And make sure that you're looking at your board, see if they're tired, uh, are they truly engaged in it, you know, I'm not interested anymore, but just really assess where they are. And if you mm-hmm. need fresh people on the board, get them on there. Because at the end of the day, it's important that your mission is still being carried out.
0: Okay.
2: All right. Good good information. I tell you, I am taking notes. <laughs> taking notes. Um. How important is establishing boundaries, to, and you talked a little bit to this, but how important is establishing boundaries to separate personal from business, uh, whether it's finances, time, supplies, relationships? Can you, can you speak to that?
3: Uh, yes, I can. Thank you. Um, it's important that you establish those boundaries, um, and, and I would say, even for accounting purposes, um, do you really want, when we have to pull a bank statement, or if the IRS needs to pull a bank statement, or any other agency that needs to pull your bank statements, do you really want them to see what you've done personally? To see where you're, what you're purchasing, whether it's X-rated movies or whatever. I don't need to know all that. <laughs> and neither does a whole lot of other people. So it's important that, you know, and even going to McDonald's and saying, oh, you spent $2.85, and you're going to tell me you had a business meeting? What? Yeah, what? <laughs> Who was there? <laughs> like, yeah,
0: that's
3: one meal. <laughs> like, but, you know, you use your debit card for, for that, and, and, you know, it just things like that. It, you you should keep it separately so that way you're not commingling, mingling especially if you're incorporated. Uh, the purpose of being incorporated is to separate. But if you can't show that you have been uh, operating in a separate manner, then that whole limited liability is gone, that you're – you're no longer under the corporate veil that covers you from those types of liabilities that may incur on the business side. It's like, well, the client will say, hey, you didn't ever give me an indication you were incorporated in the, and the judge may ask for proof, and you, you don't even have it to show. You, you try to pull it together if you can. Um, but it's important that, you know, just for the sake of privacy, number one, that you keep it separate. Number two, for the corporate bail not to be removed from you, you should keep it separately. It's a legal mm-hmm. action that you should keep that as a separate, other than from your personal. Um, and, and for accounting and, and, and tax purposes, you should keep that uh, separate. How are you going to know if you're paying your your home electric bill and your office electric bill, how you know you really made a profit? You don't know because you've been able to just, you're just paying bills out of you, using it as your personal purse, your personal bank account, instead of using it like any other business entity. So it's important because you don't want to be challenged in that area. You don't want to um, open yourself up to, uh, your personal lifestyle, whatever that may be, is really none of my business. I don't want to see it as another individual outside of what you do. And a lot of times people may do that and then, oh, I don't want to, They'll, you know, I, I can't show this, uh, these things and they want to highlight these things out. Well, I have to take that and put it as a distribution or something towards you personally. I I can't take it as a business expense because it wasn't business. Can't write it off because it wasn't business. But then that's there in black and white. Um, I just, you just should keep it. Even if you're small, just starting out, it's just so important to get a separate bank account and to operate. You don't have to be incorporated to do it. It's not going to cost you any money. Nowadays, bank accounts are free. Even if you know there's hardly no other bank around that's going to be charging you just to use a, a checking account uh, for those purposes, so you know it's not going to hurt you. But you should, in a legal aspect, have a separate bank account. In a personal and in a business aspect, you should have a separate bank account so you can operate your business business more effectively and efficiently. Okay.
2: Okay, okay. And, and you spoke a little bit to this, but I want to ask you, how closely should my legal advisor and my financial advisor or tax advisor uh, work together and why?
3: Uh, that's a great question. I, I think that's very important that they all work together or at least know one another. And if they don't, mm-hmm. at least allow them to um, talk so that if there's something that the accountant is working on for you, if we don't know that you changed the structure of your business, okay, you went from an S-corp and now you're a C-corp, we need to know that that's been done, you know, so that way we can restructure the accounting side Mm. and then the accounting restructure whatever we need to do for the tax side same as your financial advisor. If there's investments and in things that you're making, then that's something that we can talk about or even do a tax plan. If I'm able to talk to the financial advisor, then, hey, they're getting ready to pull $50,000 out of the 401. How is that going to affect them when it comes to their taxes? Well, then I can give them an answer or a response based on a tax plan because I'm doing their taxes. I do their accounting. I can see how that's going to affect them and then advise the financial advisor how this is going to impact their taxes, and then he can make the proper decisions based on my responses and my review of the tax situation. So I think that's important because all of us will work together to help you uh, make and help your business become more and more successful or to stay stabilized and not incur any huge financial strain when it comes to your taxes or your structure uh, or your investments.
2: Okay. And I know I am working you. I am working you but I just appreciate your time and and, and answering these questions for us. <laughs> um,
0: how,
2: how important is self-care? Is self-care as a business owner? Because this is a lot of information that we're taking in. This is a lot of stuff that you know, we have to do. You know, and again, especially for startups. Mm-hmm.
3: Um, I would say that don't worry about trying to do everything in one time. <laughs> it doesn't have to mm-hmm. get all done today. That mm-hmm. you pace yourself out. That even if you make, I try to at least compare myself on Sunday nights for Monday or the rest of the week. And it's three things I just got to get done. Not one hundred you know, don't overload yourself. you may have a two you know fifty things to do, but realistically, you can really only get three of them done because you have to account for people walking in, you have to account for phone calls, lunches that may go over um someone might not show up for meetings. All of that, and it kind of changes the course of your day. Or a child may get sick, or someone may need to go to the hospital, or somebody calls off. There's always something, and so to have that self-care about yourself, try not to put a lot on yourself. Don't make a lot of promises. Um, be honest with your client or your customer, and let them know what you can and cannot do. Hey, I may need to put this off for at least two weeks, I I won't be able to see that until then. Um, one of the things that, you know, like we just had October the 15th tax deadline come up. Well, there was other things that was on the table for me to do, and I had to let some of my clients know I won't be able to even look at that until after the 20th of October because I'm going to need some time off and. You know, eight, uh, October the 10th, 15th, is just like April the 15th. It's very stressful. Okay. It's a lot of stuff that has to be done, and that's the last tax filing day of the year. <laughs> so okay. It's the last one okay. for all extensions. So it can be very overwhelming, but you have to learn to pace yourself and know that you're in charge. Yes, the client needs you. Most people can be understanding and Try to take those breaks, those mini vacations for yourself, and 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 just try to do the best you can. To just don't overpromise a lot of things, and and don't put okay. too much on yourself. Okay. I know and I you, you want to really, yeah, you want to really look good to people. You want them to really trust your abilities and things of that nature. But uh, you, you're not you're not putting on a cake you <laughs> you putting on a
0: mm-hmm. suit
3: jacket? <laughs> you're not wearing mm-hmm. just say hey, I don't mm-hmm. have a cape on. You know you're putting on a suit, or you're putting on a dress or whatever, but you're not putting mm-hmm. on a cape. And so you don't have to be Superwoman, Superman. Uh, just be the professional that you you've been called to to be, and, and do the best that you can do, and don't overpromise yourself to do more than you're capable of doing.
2: Okay, I'm writing that down.
3: <laughs> you know, just go for two, three, okay. and you know, give yourself one well, a pat, pat on the back.
2: <laughs> I like that. All right, all right. And and I want to ask you, Renee, do you facilitate seminars or, or workshops? Um, and and if you do, if you do, are they strictly local at this time or? Or are there, you know, webinars and teleconferences that, that we can participate in?
3: I I do have webinars and teleconferences. Um right now I'm doing a twenty one day financial boot camp. It's fifty nine dollars. Oh, wow. And what I do is it within twenty one oh, days. Of the
2: process, oh, it's fifty nine dollars. Yes. I
3: it's fifty nine dollars. Fifty nine dollars. I'm not even charging a whole lot of money.
0: (laughs) Wow. Um, It's
3: really just a plan to try to help you get, I help you get a financial plan together. And what I mean by that is that you need some emergency money in place. How do I get that? I don't know how to save. I don't know how to manage my money. I, I go shopping a lot. I do this. I don't have any money to save. Well, I help people find it make better decisions, uh, and, and we do all of that one-on-one, they can email me at rbaylor at ofgadvisorsllc.com and register with me directly, and I will help you establish a, an, an emergency fund.
2: Okay, and so we usually that's try to find
3: our... a bank that helps. Pardon me.
2: I'm I'm writing down that email account uh, email address again. <laughs> r Baylor B-A, B A B is and boy A Y L O R at
3: O F G Advisors mm-hmm. LLC okay. dot com.
2: Okay. Okay.
3: Thanks. And mm-hmm. our website we okay. also have that listed on our website too.
2: And and I'm sorry, I interrupted you. You were saying that you also, when you help people with this boot camp um, get their finances together, you try to connect them?
3: I try to connect them with a a bank bank? that will will not allow them to take the money out until they reach their goal.
2: Wow, (laughs) almost like an IDA program. I like that. (laughs) Awesome. So
3: you would
2: set the okay. go up and you can't touch it. <laughs> that, that is awesome. That is awesome. Wow. <laughs> and okay, so I'm going to ask you, um, you gave us your email address because uh, I was going to ask you how can we reach you if we're interested um, in your services or uh, if we have questions. That you may be able to answer for us. May we have your website? Now we have your email address. May we have your website address?
3: My website is www.ofgadvisorsllc.com. dot Com.
2: Thank you. Thank you. And. What final advice would you like to offer to our listening audience?
3: Mm. <laughs> wow. That's a good question. No, you gave us you gave us so much. <laughs> okay. Final, final. Um, take the time to work on your business. I understand working in the business, and that is you know going in. Taking care of your clients, your customers, seeing to their needs, but also take the time to step back out of it, step away from it, look at it from a different angle, and see how you can make it better. Really happy. What are they saying about you? You can they trust what what you extend to them, the product and/or the service that you extend really take a look at what your business means to the community and what your offerings are, and do they understand what your offerings are. You know, it's important that you take that time to see where you are financially, see what your goals are for the next 60 days, the next 90 days, the next year, the next two years, mm-hmm. Um I feel that it's very, very important um, to take that time to study, to read. Wake up a few hours early. You know, a lot of people say, oh, I'm too busy in the morning. Well, get up a little early, stay up a little late, whichever one, but take some time out to read something different that you normally read, update yourself in your industry, go to trade shows, go out and meet people, Be relaxed, have fun, enjoy your family, take the time out for your family. And I know I'm giving you a grocery list, but we all have to do it. But guess what? You don't have to do it all tomorrow. (laughs) You can break it out. And just make sure at the end of the day that, you know, that you're at peace with what you're doing. And everything's not going to make you happy, but make sure you have joy.
2: Wow. Thank you so much. Thank you You're so welcome. much. Now, I'm going to tell you, this, is really, this has really helped me. And, uh, and I know that it's going to touch a lot of our listeners. So, you know, I want to thank you for, for coming on uh, Positively Affirmative. And I want to invite you back anytime, anytime. Oh,
3: I would love to come back.
2: <laughs> Thanks so much. And we, we're going to bring this edition of Positively Affirmative to a close. And we'd like to thank you, our listening audience, for tuning in. This is the show where we affirm you with education, information, and resources in the areas of self-care, career development, business building, and wealth consciousness, challenges, and solutions. I am your host, Katrina Jones, Prosperity Life Coach of Sotari Life Skills Institute, where we teach women how to create positive shifts, in their work-life balance, so they can become the directors of their own life stories. If you'd like more information and coaching resources, please visit my website at prosperitylifecoach.com. Join us every Sunday at 6.30 p.m., bring a friend, and share the prosperity. All right, Renee, you have a great evening, and thank you again.
3: Thank you so much.
2: You're welcome. You. Okay, good, good night, everybody. See you next week. Goodbye. Don't
1: mess with Mr. Inbetween. Don't mess with Mr. In between. Bye.